Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. You're with Bharati Jagdish. Now, the travel industry did indeed feel the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic particularly hard, didn't it? At the height of the pandemic in 2020, the travel and tourism industry lost $4.5 trillion in GDP and 62 million jobs. But travel is returning with a vengeance as people satisfy their itch to go on holiday. I think that's very apparent. The world's biggest airline trade body believes the industry could now see passenger traffic return to pre-pandemic levels by 2023, by next year. That's a year earlier than expected. And airports across Europe have been facing travel chaos, a lack of staff and increase in passengers leading to long delays. And closer to home, Singapore Airlines said the momentum in bookings is picking up, with aviation jobs up for grabs as Singapore races to recruit more staff. Joining us now for an analysis of the aviation industry, Pushan Dutt, Professor of Economics at INSEAD. Hi. Hey, Professor, how are you doing? Very good. Now, the global travel and tourism sector's post-pandemic recovery no doubt is gaining pace, isn't it, as the world's pent-up desire for travel rekindles. While we might be seeing some pent-up demand now, whether business travel will recover to pre-COVID levels is in doubt, and there are many questions being asked. To what extent do you see demand actually being sustained? So I think uh, you cited some numbers about about the huge declines that took place in 2020 and 2021, right? So these huge declines are essentially why people are expecting that, you know, there is pent-up demand and will sort of go back. Now, this is likely, as you said, it's going to be stronger for leisure travel than for business travel because business business people have discovered that you don't actually have to uh, run around for meetings across countries. You can just do it over Zoom. And the second thing is that, you know, earlier last year, uh, we used to have all these complex travel restrictions to do with testing, vaccinations, form filling. All that is gone. So that's going to give a bigger boost. Now, uh, just to step back, the wave, how did we react during the pandemic? We were sort of all locked down. And what we did was we started buying things like TVs, exercise equipment, kitchen appliances. We just stopped buying services. We we lost interpersonal contact, etc. So I think that part is going to reverse because, you know, we still want this interpersonal contact. We want to travel, we want these cultural experiences. So I think we're going to go back to this world where, uh, and this essentially means that, you know, travel demand is going to come roaring back. The thing is, I am sure that the industry needs to keep some of the lessons that it has learned through COVID-19 with it in order to be pandemic ready all the time. Is the industry equipped to deal with new COVID variants or another pandemic enough to mitigate its impact? That is a question that is being asked more and more. What's your perspective on this? What have you been observing? So one one thing is we have to cut them a little bit of slack because the world hasn't had very many experiences of health crisis. I mean, the last one of similar magnitude was possibly the Spanish flu. We've had a lot of experience with economic crisis and the travel sector, like all other sectors, are, are very good in terms of figuring out how to deal with economic crisis. But the health crisis was completely different. In an economic crisis, People basically continue to consume services. They think of these as necessities and they stop buying big ticket items. In the health crisis, because it spread through personal contact, you know, all the services demand actually fell off a cliff and, uh, you know, goods demand went up massively, which contributes to inflation as well. Uh, So that trend is reversing. Now, are they prepared for a new wave of COVID? I think they are because 
So in many countries now, we have pretty high vaccination rates. We have pretty good therapeutics. So I, even if a new variant shows up, unless it is extremely not just contagious, like the Omicron variant, but is also very deadly, like the Delta variant. In that case, you know, again, that would be a game changer. But we can just keep our fingers crossed and think that, you know, something like that. Now, what ripple effects do you expect this slow and gradual recovery to have on various sectors of the economy, especially during this time when actually things seem to be rather bleak? I mean, there's talk of a global recession due to higher interest rates. So where exactly does the aviation industry fit in? How exactly is it expected to unfold? So if, if I think of tourism as a whole and, and the aviation industry as well, the tourism sector is a huge source of jobs, right? And these jobs are jobs what economists call are non-tradable in the sense that, you know, it's not very easy to, uh, to either outsource these jobs or to automate these jobs, okay? So therefore, these are jobs which very broadly is done by the middle class in a country. So these jobs coming back, the direct impact itself is going to be quite big. Now, travel and tourism is actually quite a big sector in many countries. So in most of the countries, including in Singapore, tourism contributes about 10% of of the GDP. Okay, so the direct effect is going to be very big. One of the indirect effects, which is also going to be positive, is that today what we are seeing is that central banks around the world are raising interest rates. So what this is doing is this is putting a huge pressure on the exchange rate of many uh, countries and they are becoming susceptible to a currency crisis. Once travel opens up, uh, you know, the tourism sector can provide some insurance because it can actually generate foreign exchange dollars for them. So directly boosting uh, spending and GDP, generating jobs, you know, buying some insurance against, uh, you know, currency crisis. All of these, I think, will will mean that the travel sector will give a boost to the economy as a whole. Since you mentioned jobs, it appears that while travel is back, the workers are not. We've been hearing about understaffing in so many areas of the travel industry, including in aviation, strikes and so on. What do you make of all of this then? Because of the prolonged nature of the pandemic. So the travel and tourism sector globally in 2020 lost about 62 million jobs, which is a 20% drop compared to 2019. Now, many of these jobs are propped up by the government through these fiscal uh, aid packages, etc. But the problem is that work in this sector tends to be customer facing it involves person-to-person contact so there is a heightened risk of infection so so additionally many workers left on their own even though you know they were getting wage support employment support just out of pessimism or fear so now 2022 most of these job losses will be made up but we still need to figure out how to overcome the temporary uh the temporary staffing shortage so Again, the World Trade and Tourism Council forecasts that, you know, there is a 10 million jobs, you know, 10 million staffing shortage compared to 2019. So how do you how do you fill this gap? You know, if you talk to consultants and experts, they will say, you know, let's make these jobs more meaningful, more fulfilling, Mm -hmm. let's upskill the workers. But as an economist, I predict that there are just two solutions to the shortage. You have to pay the workers more money Mm. that will induce them to re-enter the workforce and re-enter the sector if they'd left previously. 
or allow for immigration. So the ASEAN, for instance, has something called a mutual recognition agreement, where, which tourism falls under. So they recognize the workers skills in, the, in all the other ASEAN countries, opening up borders and staffing them with, with, even if it is temporary immigrant labor, that's one way to ease the job shortage. But of course, this is going to be politically challenging to do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes as an economist, I have to say, you are a little too pragmatic. <laughs> you know, we've got to take into account all the other factors as well, don't we? <laughs> And speaking of taking into account all the other factors, the question of supply chain disruptions, higher operating costs, what sort of impact do you expect this to have on aviation in particular? Okay, so again, here we have two forces pulling us in opposite direction. One side, we have this pent-up demand, right? But on the other side, you know, airports, airlines, hotels, they all suffered massively and they cut staff and they and they shed assets. So airlines got rid of planes and hotels got rid of staff and they're sort of struggling to hire people quickly. What is going to happen is wage rates are, are going to go up. We already see this in the U.S., for which we have very granular data. The last thing is that oil prices have spiked as well. So that's going to, again, increase travel costs. So we have a classic case of where you have elevated demand meeting constrained supply. And as economists will tell you that the only thing we can be sure of is that prices are going up. So if your listeners are going to travel the, uh, this summer, they should, the first thing they should do after the show is buy, a tic- is buy their tickets. Mm. <laughs> so we can be 100% sure of that. Uh, so this summer, we can sort of expect like packed airports, beaches, long lines at the airports, you know, great tempers and sky high prices. So uh, so it's going to be difficult for us as travelers. That's the thing. And certainly the whole period has been difficult for the industry as a whole, as well as travellers like us, as you pointed out. It has been particularly difficult for an airline like SIA as well. SIA now says it's committing to a strategy of working with international partners, operating overseas hubs, because clearly COVID did expose the financial dangers of not having a domestic aviation market. SIA was quite unique in this regard. What do you think of their strategy in general? So, you know, it's like any diversification strategy. Singapore Airlines is especially constrained because, they, as you said, they don't have a domestic market. But at the same time, I'm actually quite optimistic about the return to profitability of all the airlines, including Singapore Airlines. But it's true that the costs are going up, okay? But demand is also is, is also going up. So the key question for our airlines becomes, you know, do revenues rise more than costs? Okay, so more fundamentally, if oil prices spike, can I, as an airline, pass on the fuel cost, the higher fuel cost to my end customers? My instinct is yes, that they will be able to do this. Again, this is because of the pent-up demand nature and, you know, the huge amount of saving of miles and dollars that people accumulated during the pandemic. Now, stock markets seem to be pricing this as well. So if you look at the broader stock market indices, many have corrected about 15 to 20% this year, but airline stocks have corrected only marginally. And some of which are actually gone up. So again, markets seem to be signaling a quick return to profitability. So Singapore Airlines, I think this is, this is more like a medium to long-term strategy because building these partnerships is, is, is time-consuming and difficult to negotiate. But I think if they sort of just persist, they should see a return to profitability soon. Now, let's talk about a return to profitability for the sector as a whole. We did mention that IATA forecasts the global industry will still lose $11 billion this year, taking overall net losses between 2020 and 2022 to $200 billion, but a recovery possibly next year. What are your thoughts on this? Again, the the big uh, uncertainty sitting out there, there, there are a couple of sources of uncertainty 
uncertainties sitting out there, which are very big macro uncertainty. The one, of course, be the, the big one, of course, being, do we get another variant which escapes the vaccine? The second big uncertainty is to do with the higher inflation and what will uh, central banks around the world, whether they will actually push economies into a recession. If neither of these happen, or if there is a soft landing generated globally by central banks, then I would be quite optimistic about the return to profitability uh, uh, pretty shortly. I think airlines will have to worry uh, quite a bit about, you know, uh, about how the composition of the customer segments are going to change, because uh, an airline like Singapore Airlines picks up the bulk of its profits and margins from its high-end business travel, that segment is, uh, is, is, is going to be much slower to recover. What does this mean? They essentially need to, you know, buy different kinds of planes or refurbish their existing planes and, you know, add more economy class uh, seats or premium economy seats. And again, reconfiguring these things are expensive. So overall, I think the airlines, the hotels, the restaurants, all of them have to be a little bit more nimble if they are going to come through and move into profitability. All right. Thank you very much, Professor. Professor Pushan Dutt, he is economics professor at NCR. Thanks for joining us today. You have a great weekend, sir. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.